Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. G-A-L-D-E-M G-A-L-D-E-M This song is good. Welcome to another season of Growing Up with Galden. Inspired by our book, I Will Not Be Erased, our stories about growing up as people of colour. My name is Charlie. I'm the editor-in-chief at Galden. We're an award-winning company committed to platforming the voices, perspectives and the creative work of women and non-binary people of colour. I'm Nati Kasimbala. I'm a writer and former editor and long-time contributor at Galden. Each week we invite guests to respond to old diary entries, letters or text messages from their younger selves. The point is to nurture important discussions about growing up. You can find Growing Up With Galdem on Apple Podcasts, the Acast app, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Siba Tokani is the author of My Past is a Foreign Country, a memoir about living in different parts of the world and navigating patriarchal structures in Asia and Europe. She's written for the Saudi Gazette, the Manipal Journal, Gaudem, Wasafiri, and the Nasty Woman Anthology. Ziba offers a fresh perspective on many issues, including experiencing hair loss at a young age, living as an outsider, and her relationship with her mother. So, very excited to have you on the show with us, Ziba. And I think your extract's really great gateway to so many conversations about just like all the stuff we're going to get into. But I figured to start with, so obviously on the show, we talk a lot about growing up, uh, which is something that relies heavenly on memory, which is something you've spoken a lot about in your work. And a couple of quotes that we really liked uh, that we picked up from you were, memories are very precarious. And um, the fact that you said that you are free from your memories now and you're not holding on to them. And so I guess we just wanted to start in our conversation thinking about like, if you, maybe you could tell us for our listeners, like, what do you feel like it means to be free from your memories? 
Definitely. Thank you so much for that introduction and for asking the question. I'm really, really fascinated by memories and I find it very interesting how the same memories that I revisit at different times in my life um, feel different to me and they're things that sometimes I feel like I didn't remember before or they feel new. And I've written that a lot about in the book, especially with my memories with my mother, because when I was growing up, I totally felt like I was the victim in that situation a lot. And I, as I started growing up and I left home and I was able to empathize more with my mother and suddenly all of these different memories or layers to the memory started coming up where I think I'd blocked how my mother would be feeling in that situation. And then as a grown-up, looking back, I suddenly got all of these, her words, her voice, her face started becoming a bit more clear. And I thought that was very interesting that it was always there, but I wasn't ready to look at and I was convinced that it wasn't there. And I think that's also a very interesting thing about memories. And also when we experience it, I feel like memories are about feeling. So you come at it from your perspective if you're feeling bad about the situation. I feel like different things will stand out. And I think for me, with memories, was that I realised I saw myself as the victim a lot, naturally, in my life. As a child especially, I just felt like I didn't have any agency. And that kind of clouded over everything in my life, how I presented myself, how I saw myself. And the moment that stopped, the moment I realized that I'm empowered and I can change the way my life is going to go forward from here on, uh, my memories changed as well. A lot of happy memories kind of jumped back at me and I was like, oh, I didn't know I had these. And now I feel like a whole person. Yeah, yeah. That's really interesting what you said about this idea of victimization and, and self-victimization um, and the kind of journey you've been on with it. Do you think that there is ever a place and a time to allow yourself to just, you know, allow yourself for those memories to be clouded by the fact that you, you genuinely were a victim in that scenario? Yeah, tell us about that. Yes, I think so. I feel like it worked for me when I allowed my feelings to kind of guide me. And there were times when I needed to feel like a victim, even though I know that this doesn't sound as feminist as I would like it to be. But sometimes things are bad and sometimes you are the victim and it is important to allow yourself that space instead of being in denial. So I don't regret any of the memories or the way I remembered them and how things changed. I feel like we need to do what we need to do. Sometimes we are the only people protecting ourselves. There's no one else looking out for you or even if they are, they don't understand what you're going through. So I feel like if we let our feelings take the lead on that, um, I hope that answers your question. It does, it does, thank you. And yeah, I, the reason why it spoke to me is because there were phases of my life, especially as kind of like, maybe like late teenage years, where I'd look back at, at my early teenage years and really feel that sense of a victimhood. And I don't think I necessarily consciously, in the same way that you did, like found that empowerment. But I do think that I definitely don't look back on them in the same intensely sort of like you had no agency, you were just this, a victim with now as I, I did then so yeah but I've never heard anyone articulate it so it's really interesting thank you yeah um, I think it's such a gift to be able to laugh at yourself uh, and I feel like that's what I've received and I'm so glad I held on to those memories that um the idea that you talked about in terms of having new memories surface also really fascinated me I think it's something that I've been experiencing I think especially 
in the last year when we've had a lot more stillness and I, I guess time to reflect on our lives I've always been a person who said like oh I just don't really have many memories from when I was a kid and there was a TikTok the other day that talks about how people with childhood trauma often say that because they're just like I just don't remember anything it seems like I just blocked everything out but I found like you said like as you kind of heal from things that maybe troubled you in the past and blocked certain like avenues maybe in your brain that's not scientific language at all but it feels like you know some some memories do seem to resurface yeah very interesting and I guess it's it also brings in questions of just like how much can you trust memory can you even trust the ones that come to you in this phase or I don't know what I'm saying but a very fascinating topic no, I totally get that question. I know exactly what you're saying because this was the question that bothered me. Not bothered me, but stayed with me like a friend that I didn't want around while I was writing the book. It was just there all the time, every day. Do I trust this? Which version do I trust? And I think I was lucky that I had journals from the last 11 years of my life where I've been very meticulous. So I was very good in that way, but anything before that, so early childhood. Um, things like that were very difficult. So in my book, I've been very careful to always present them as this is how I remember things now. And I'm very, I'm very open and very welcoming to the idea of my memories not being the truth and how we need to stop thinking of truth and memories as in the same equation. And I think I was really freed from a lot of anxiety when I realized that. And I think when you're writing something as personal as a memoir about your journey, which does not include a lot of your family or doesn't look outside um, and keeps looking inwards towards yourself, I think it's very important to give yourself that freedom to just allow yourself to be open to the idea that maybe your truth is not the truth and that's okay too. Absolutely. So important. I'm always fascinated with fellow journal writers as to why they keep journals and and what sort of it it brings to you and I think your extract that you're going to read for us as well is I think taken from a journal too but but just before we get into that I wondered like what instigated you writing down pieces of your life yeah what kicked that off for you I think at the very beginning it was this feeling of not being understood I felt like I wasn't able to talk to other people about what was going on and there's also this feeling that when it comes to your parents your mum or your family when you're a child. I, I don't think you feel like you can talk about that to the outside world. I don't know if that's a universal feeling, but I just didn't have the words to be able to say, I love my parents. This is something that happened and I want to talk to someone about it. I think I was just too scared that my young friends, like my peers, would not have the capacity to not hate my parents or think of them as villains. And I was not ready for that kind of reaction yeah I totally get that that's such a good way of putting it this idea of like the people around you in real life that villainizing the people that you love is really really hard one and although I didn't have that with my parents with with a particular ex-boyfriend <laughs> I definitely did and I, it, it, my diary is pretty much the only place I spoke honestly about him because I didn't feel like I could tell my friends for I mean for better or for worse about um, his behaviour without them being like, you, you should do this, you should, he's, da, 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 da. And I wasn't ready at that time to, to hear that, you know, really interesting. I think in the beginning it was for that. And then 
once you start thinking of yourself as a writer, I think there's a little bit of narcissism as well. You're like, oh, my life is so interesting that everything needs to be noted down. So there was a lot of that in my late <laughs> teenage years. Yeah, I love that. So cool. <laughs> and now it's just a habit. I feel like um, it's a way of getting rid of all of my anxieties. I find that once I put something in my journal, I don't have to worry about it a lot. It felt a little bit like that with the book as well. There was a lot of trauma in the book. And once I wrote it and put it out there, I no longer carry it. And there's freedom in that. And I feel like the journals now work that way. I used to think that when I'm older, I would go back through my journals and probably enjoy reading them. But I realize now that the purpose of the journals is part of my current life and not retrospectively. So I find that quite good as well. Oh, that's super interesting. Yeah, that, that it's, it's in the act of journaling rather than like the product at the end of it. There's a quote that I write down at the beginning of all of my journals, which are from Lydia Davis, and I really like it. It says, maybe the notebook is a place to practice not only writing, but also thinking. And I think that's exactly what my journals are for me. So interesting. I, yeah, I was just even going to say that like something that I did recently after actually inspired by a conversation we had on this podcast um, was looking through my own old texts and like notes pages and like things that I would just write because I, I was like a journaler because I like have like a natural aversion to routine so I would buy all these journals and be like today's the day we're going to start doing this regularly it's going to happen and then I would do like two days and be like I'm over this I feel oppressed by this this is like <laughs> This is cramping my style. Um, but even in reading like old kind of just like candid conversations with best friends or whatever and stuff like that, it isn't as enjoyable as you think it would be. And it's kind of like hard to reaccess at times some of those memories. So I, I fully hear that there's, the catharsis comes from the expression rather than from not always does it come from, you know, like being able to package it all together in a coherent thing and say like, this is my history, this is my past. But yeah, I guess next we'd love to hear you read out the extract from your journal for us, if that's possible. So this extract is from a time before I started dating everything very clearly. So I think it's from 2011 or 2012. And this is not the first time or the last time I've written about this incident. It's clearly played a huge uh, role in how I think of myself. So I thought this kind of goes through it really well. I've changed the name um, of the person and I think everything else is unedited. So here goes. I can't stop thinking about Sana today. I wonder where she is, how she's doing, if she's married, if she's a mother, if she hates me, if she even remembers me. But mostly I think about my careless actions that led to our falling out. Every time I remember the way I acted, I can't help but cringe. Especially since it dawned on me that I was at fault, that she had every right to be angry, even if it wasn't my intention to hurt her. I remember the moment I graffitied Sana's desk. She knew I was sitting at her desk to take my exams, and I genuinely didn't think much of what I was doing. The statement I inked on the old wood was something along the lines of Sana being stupid, or maybe I used the word idiot, and I signed it by another of our friend's name. I had finished my paper early but wasn't allowed to leave the room until everyone else was done. And this was one of the ways I chose to pass my time. I thought she would read what I had written and laugh about it. It was meant to be a joke. Maybe later that day, or the next day, Sana stormed into my classroom during lunch break and expressed her anger. I can't remember how she did this, or if I apologised. But I can still remember my shock at her strong reaction. It was just a joke, I wanted to yell. 
The shame I feel now comes mostly from what I did next, how I distanced myself from the act, making her the villain, telling myself that she couldn't take a joke. We were really close and suddenly we weren't speaking at all. I was upset, hurt and also unsure on how to fix the situation. The thought of pleading for forgiveness was not an option my 13-year-old self knew how to access. I just accepted her anger and let our friendship break for something so unthoughtful. This bit is the most difficult to retell. About a year later, she turned up outside my class with a common friend to talk about what happened, to try and fix our friendship, to tell me that she missed me too. The three of us stood there, shuffling from foot to foot, awkward. I was listening and waiting for things to go back to how they were, relieved, grateful. Except before she could finish, one of my classmates, who knew that Sanai and I were not on talking terms, saw us in the corridor and swooped in and pulled me away and back into our class. She thought she was saving me. I didn't stop her. I didn't look back. I was in that school for three more years, but never approached Sana to continue the conversation she had begun. Thank you so much for reading that. My heart breaks for Sana, but it also breaks for you and kind of like that guilt that you carry um, with that incident. And so I just wanted to ask first off, like, how did it feel to read that back now? It felt the same guilt. It keeps coming back. I felt shame. I didn't want to share this. This is something, this is not an incident that I talk about, I've shared with anyone. And when I got invited on the podcast, it just felt like the right thing to deal with. And I think it's so important. And I, it's also something that I've not discussed in the book, this idea of when you are wrong and when you didn't know how to deal with it then, but you do now and how to fix that. And sometimes I think the solution isn't to go back and fix something. I mean, it's too late now. I don't know where she is. I have no idea how to reconnect. And there's also a really good chance that this is something she doesn't remember. And then there's also the fear of re-traumatizing or bringing up things that other people probably don't want to think about. And then just learning to deal with it yourself internally and learning to forgive yourself. And also, I think, taking some credit, but also some pleasure in knowing that the person you are now would have dealt with this differently and knows better and knows exactly what to say now. And I think I find a lot of solace in that. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, sorry, I keep on saying it's really interesting, but, but that's because everything you've said so far has is really interesting and it's really struck a chord. And it's funny, the thing that it actually brought up for me for some reason, and maybe this is going off in a completely different direction, but I was just thinking about last summer during the Black Lives Matter movement and myself and many other black friends during that period of time started getting these messages from a lot of white friends, I guess apologising for being racist in the past and kind of what you said about you know re-traumatizing I think me and Natty have even spoken about this before as well is really interesting and I think it's really good that you've taken the time to work on this internally rather than like trying to find Sana and like putting this back on her and and her forgiveness being the thing that you need to move forward so yeah that's what it kind of brought up for me but I guess my question to you is how did you start that process of forgiveness? You know, was it through therapy? Was it just through thinking about it a lot? I'm, I'm interested to know. This is not an isolated incident from my childhood. I feel like my entire childhood was spent, there was this huge divide in where I wanted to be and who I wanted to be and where I was. And I had no idea how to get there. Like I could, I could see the destination, but there was no path. And I didn't know how to create that path. And I think there was a lot about children... In so many places, don't have a lot of agency. And culturally, we grow up sometimes, I think, in places where we are not heard and there are lots of things that we are not uh, thought or there's no space to have communication. And I felt I could sense the lack of that space, but I didn't know how to create that for myself. Um, and I see that now and I can see that because I was the child in that situation, I can't really carry the burden of that. But if I was still the same person now, I think if I went through my diaries and uh, my journals and felt that I had not changed at all, then I think that would be very difficult for me to forgive myself. But I feel like I've done a lot since. And also this idea of, I didn't know then, but I know now, that it doesn't matter what your intentions are. If you have hurt someone, you owe them an apology. And I know that there are exceptions for this, but... A lot of the time we think that, oh, because I didn't intend to hurt this person, I will not take responsibility. And it's very easy to distance ourselves from that situation as well. We're like, oh, someone's decided to get offended by what I've said. And I see 
that a lot in our culture now, a lot of public apologies that keep coming out online. And I feel like, oh, I know what they need to do. (laughs) They just need to have a conversation with themselves. So I feel like knowing that I've done all of this work and knowing that hopefully I'm a better friend now, I think that makes it easy. Something that you said really stood out to me in that as well, because I think so often people feel like in order to forgive or to feel okay about something, you have to feel like justified in it and you have to have like this wider context that explains it away almost. But I think it's a really powerful position to be in when you can say like, I did this thing. Maybe I don't even identify with the person who did that thing anymore in terms of I couldn't see myself doing that now, but I can still understand that it happened and that wasn't okay at the time, but it's okay now and I can forgive myself for that. And so I guess moving on from that, you also mentioned how it's kind of a memory that you still think about regardless of that. And I think a lot of teenage friendships can be in that way quite character defining. So I wanted to ask when you reflect on the situation today, how it's shaped how you navigate friendships in your current life. I don't take anything for granted. And I don't assume that something is understood. So I can be a bit annoying with my long WhatsApp voice notes and text (laughs) messages. (laughs) But I think also, I want my friends to know how much I value them. And I think that makes me feel better. I hope makes them know how important they are to me. And I feel like that's something that I missed. And I still don't know why. I can't understand why I did that. I can't understand what was funny. I can't understand the joke. And I feel how that's helped me is that when people hurt me, I think it's very natural to imagine that they've hurt me because they want to. And uh, sometimes when you hold on to that thought, it's very difficult to forgive them or it's very difficult to accept their apology as sincere. And you're just bringing up a lot of your own baggage to what they are saying. And I feel like when I remember this, if I remember this incident, I hope that I do with all of these new relationships in my life, then I can remember that, you know, sometimes people do things and there is no need to place an intention on people's action. So I feel like I can empathize more and I can understand. And also it's quite empowering and freeing and nice to be able to take responsibility for what upset me and 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 by that I don't mean that removing the blame completely from the other person if it's valid but also it helps me know myself more there's a self-knowledge that is so precious to me as a writer as a thinker that I can ask myself what upset me why was I offended why has this hurt me so much and I feel like these are things I probably wouldn't have asked if I hadn't been through the experiences from my childhood with my friends when I was constantly aware, like, I know I need to do something to fix this, but I don't know what. And now I feel like I do. And there's also this added vision, this perspective, where I've seen, I can imagine how this is going to go wrong. And I feel so grateful to have that perspective, I think. I thought it was interesting. And I I wanted to ask you whether or not this was intentional in the journal extract, that you don't actually write down what it is that you wrote on her desk that upset her in the first place was that from a place of you I guess not wanting to distance yourself but not I don't know not wanting to reveal what I don't know I'm just curious to know why why that was left out I guess I can't remember now but I could take a guess and even when I was trying to take a guess I didn't want to so I think there's definitely uh, me wanting to distance myself from that act of the word and I was even embarrassed to 
I think the two words I used were stupid and idiot. And the fact that I used either of those words, and I wouldn't be surprised if someone tells me that it was something worse. But all I remember is that it was one sentence. And these were things that we used to laugh about or call each other as a joke a lot. And also I felt like I'm fine. I can tell now that I'm starting to justify my actions, but I, I can't help myself. That still happens to me. And yeah, I think it's a lot of that. But it's also very interesting that even when I was reading the extract now, when I came to those words, I got really upset and really ashamed. And it's difficult not to. But I think I'm I'm grateful for that shame in a weird way because I think it's so important that I have it because obviously I didn't before and I messed up. It also makes me think about this is what I remember, but there, there must be so many instances of where my actions have hurt other people that I don't even remember. So, yeah, I think that's, that's important to keep in mind. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I can feel the pain you know, even just now when you're talking about it and this feeling of like, I talk about this a lot with my therapist actually, this feeling and this fear of unintentionally hurting other people and how that's like literally my worst nightmare. And so the the, the times in my life where I've been made aware that I've un- unintentionally hurt people, it's absolutely crushed me and I've really, really, really struggled with it. And I think maybe you're you're kind of similar with that. And I can't remember exactly what wise words that she said to me but they did always make me feel better and, and make me, you know, she just always tries to remind me that, like, that everyone unintentionally hurts people. And, like, I, I really hope that as you keep moving forward that you're able to let go some of that pain because, you know, you are clearly a very good and thoughtful and loving person and that just like that comes from you know even in this like small conversation that we've had so far so yeah I just wanted to let you know that I get it a little bit at least. (laughs) Thank you for saying that I really appreciate. Um, Something else that we wanted to talk about was how you've spoken in the past about I guess as a society how women aren't always taught to relate to each other in that way in that beautiful way that Charlie just related to you (laughs) linking it back. And to kind of like empathize mm. with each other and often the relationships are more maybe like competitive or combative or even like policing. So I guess I wanted to ask on that front, like how you try to counteract and unlearn some of those ways that we've been taught to relate to each other today. Yes. Um, again, I don't know if it's a cultural thing or I'd be very interested to hear your experiences as well. Growing up in Saudi Arabia, growing up in a gender segregated society and I spent a lot of time around women and girls and there was I know that there's a stereotypical way of talking about women pitted against each other or being their worst enemy which I don't believe and it's a statement that really I hate the most but I think there was so little space that we were given so we were all squished into that space physically as well as metaphysically we we were just not allowed to be ourselves and there was a lot of fear that if we showed any vulnerability that that could be used against us and it was often used against us so from a very young age I learned to keep all of my thoughts feelings emotions to myself I learned how to hide uh, the hurt from my face when someone had said something hurtful because I knew that they were doing it to hurt me. That used to happen a lot. And I feel like the way I got out of that was by consciously being vulnerable 
and being open to getting hurt and feeling hurt and not feeling bad or responsible for it. If someone has hurt me, then I can be upset and that's okay. And there's no shame in showing that person that I'm hurt. So I had this need that no one should get the satisfaction of seeing that they had hurt me. And I didn't realize how it was just causing me to shut myself off completely and being so guarded and protective of myself that I was not creating any bridges. I was just staying as an island. And I think that was a big step for me. And this was, again, something that my therapist helped me with, where uh, we were talking about an incident and she asked me, oh, why can't you just do that? Why can't you? Because I said, oh, I'm really afraid that I'll start crying. And she said, so, so what? What's wrong in crying? You're human. You cry. So what if you start crying? And I thought, okay, that was life changing for me. But I felt, oh, yeah, if someone's hurt me, I'm going to cry. And they can deal with that. That's their problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we yeah, were yeah, in yeah. the same therapy session. <laughs> I was like mouthing when people were talking like, I'm going to Thank God for therapists. <laughs> so I think that was a changing point for me. So now when someone hurts me, and there are people who in my life, and I think this is with everyone, especially when it comes to relations, um, family, uh, community, cultural backgrounds, family, friends, that there's always people who say things just to prick or to feel better about themselves or to bring you down a little bit, I think. And previously, I would just have this stone face and be very like, oh, I'm a strong, independent woman, kind of. And now when I get upset, I just say things like, oh, why did you say that? That really hurt me. And they kind of backtrack or mm. they get really uncomfortable. And sudden, I feel like sometimes these people are, yeah. again, not intentionally trying to hurt me. They thought of something and they said it. And when I said, oh, no, that really upset me. Why did you say that? They're forced to think about it. And I feel like then... It gives both of us a chance to connect in a way that previously was not available to us. I think that's a really interesting point in terms of just the kind of stoic approach you feel like is to benefit yourself in terms of not giving... Because there, like you said, there is a shame, there is a stigma around vulnerability. But in the end, you almost actually only end up hurting yourself and kind of, like you said, stopping the interaction at this like terrible negative point instead of allowing it to... Kind of, like you said, show that person the pain or the hurt that they've inflicted and allow them to grow, but also allow them to, to recognise the effects of their actions. But I guess going back to your extract and these ideas of friendship and, and loss of friendship as well, which I think is, is really crucial. In your later years, do you feel like you have lost any friendships since then? and But do you think that the, the circumstances around them were kind of more, not in your control so much, but more just like those friendships needed to go at that time rather than it being this like incident that's, you know, caused you so much grief? I, I don't know if I've no, worded that right. I, but, I think yeah. what you, I understand what you're asking and I feel like yes, definitely. But because I was holding on to this incident and maybe other things that happened during my school days, I became really, no, not possessive, but very protective of my friendships. And I was incapable of seeing that it's time for this friendship to end. And I was not ready for them to end. And I would hold on to it. And it would be very difficult for me to see that it's okay. There'll be other people. But we had, oh, just to be able to see the positive aspects of the friendship and what I got from that friend. 
and being grateful for that chance and also being able to let go in a graceful, dignified manner and just be like, you know, this was good and I appreciate you and I appreciate what we had. Even if these are words that, you know, a lot of the friendships that I've lost have just finished without having said anything. And I feel like these are things that are important for me to tell myself. I can happily say that in the last few years, all of the friendships that I have lost have been because I didn't see the value in them. I've learned to be, if I'm questioned about it, I feel free, I feel ready to be able to say, these are the things that upset me or hurt me, or this is why I feel like we can't be friends at the moment, but, you know, I'm always there for you. Which, there was some kind of fear in the past that didn't allow me to confront. So I would be nice, not because being nice was the right thing to do, but because I was too scared to be truthful. And that just created the cycle of self-loathing, where I'm being super nice to someone. And I'm like, yep, I'm doing this because I'm scared. And I'm not yet the strong person that I want to be. So I feel like my friendships now are more organic and I know not to push them if something works out and it's very beautiful and when something doesn't I'm not clingy and I think that's been really freeing where I'm just like these are all people who are here and if we don't talk for a year or two that doesn't mean anything and I'm more open to them coming back into my life whereas in the past if something went wrong I'd be like this is it, we're never going to be friends again. You know, like a bit more dramatic. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I guess leading on from that perfectly, we wanted to ask what advice you would give to your younger self if you could. And I guess this could either be the person who was writing this journal entry who was still holding on to that guilt, or it could be younger Ziba who struggled to make those strides to reconnect with someone who she wanted to? I think definitely to younger Ziba, I would say be brave because I feel like I had the answers inside me. I knew something was not right. I knew that there was something I should be doing, but I couldn't. I was just too scared of the reaction and I kept thinking of the worst case scenarios. And I think that's something that if I could go back, I would be like, oh, just be brave. Just say what you need to and just watch how things fall and do what you can with those pieces. It's not as earth-shattering as you think it is. And for myself who wrote this, I think it would be more about to be brave, but also to trust yourself. I think you're taught from a very young age, and again, to avoid conflict. And I used to think of conflict as bad. And I think to myself in my 20s I would say conflict is not bad it's fine and you are strong enough to deal with it I think the fear of conflict the fear of how people are going to react to something has held me back a lot and I think to all versions of my younger self I would say ask yourself what's the best that can happen because I've spent my entire life asking myself what's the worst that can happen and letting that fear just guide me I, in the last few years, I think consciously what's the best that can happen. It's so amazing what has come out of that. That's gorgeous. Love that. Just before we get on to the final, final question, I just had, and you can, if you don't want to answer this, this is totally fine, but I wondered, you know, just say Sana does listen to this podcast. (laughs) Let's imagine. And she did want to have a conversation with you. Have you ever thought about what you would say to her if she was open to, you know, reconciling or is that a helpful exercise to you or not? 
I think it is because I have thought about it, especially since my profiles have become more public. I feel like this is something that could happen. And I have decided that it will be a complete, like I'm taking full responsibility for the situation and I'm apologizing. And if she ever tries to say, oh, you know, I could have done this differently, I'm just not going to allow that. Because I feel like I created the situation (laughs) and it's not an equal blame thing. So, yeah. So final question is, what do you think your younger self would think about where you are now? I just don't think she'd be able to believe it. And I think she'd be really excited. For me, when I was growing up in Saudi Arabia, London, where I live now, was not a real place. It was this magical space that I could never imagine stepping into or visiting even. So I think she'd be really excited. I think she'd be really proud of the book, uh, which I think costs. For me, it costs a lot to write something so personal. And yeah, I think it would be, if there, is, if there was a reunion, it would just be like a fangirl. <laughs> so it's exciting to think about. You're the, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. You're the first person who said that. I love that. A fangirl. Yeah. Fangirl in yourself. Very, very I wonder if I would stand myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think I would. <laughs> But yeah, Ziva, baby Ziva would stand, adult Ziva. Love that. That's awesome. Ziva, yeah, thank you so much. You're amazing. You've got us thinking about, as I said, I was just like, (laughs) interesting the whole way through because it was was a really interesting chat. And um, I especially love it when guests bring journal entries to us to talk about. So yeah, you're amazing. We love your book and we're looking forward to what you do next. (laughs) yeah thank you it's been such an honor uh to be on the podcast I'm so glad I was asked and thank you I think this has been very healing I feel like I can draw a line under this and move on so thank you so much for that opportunity as well there is just something really I think intimate and like revealing when people bring journal entries and I just find it so fascinating it makes every time someone talks about it it makes me furious with younger me who (laughs) never journaled because I wish I could have that level of like detail and insight into the workings yeah. of my own mind. Especially I think when we talk about memory, so much of memory is preserved through like evidence. And as Absolutely. much as you can think about things or you can kind of try and decipher like images in your head, having that stuff solidified in text is like mm-hmm. invaluable. We'll get on to Ziba properly in a second, but like it's really interesting, I think, for me as a journal keeper, but one who has become less regular with it over the years. Like, that I wonder how much of the fact that I can articulate and pull out the memories from my teenage years with relative ease versus like this weird interim period between like uni and like current working thing. Like, I couldn't tell you what happened the past eight years, but I can tell you intimately, yeah. like, the, the trajectory of, like, my, <laughs> my high school days, because, because probably in part, yeah, I have, the, I have it written down, and I can refer back to it, and yeah, even though sometimes it's not nice reading back, as you kind of mentioned, Natty, it is something that I kind of do every now and then, so, yeah, super interesting, but, yeah, in terms of Zeba and her friendship story, not at all in a patronising way, but I wanted to give her a hug, because I could really empathise, not with that scenario, but just with that deep, deep-seated feeling of guilt Mm. that she's still obviously you know carrying with herself and Mm. yeah I really felt for her I think it's such a relatable especially that idea of I think unintentional hurt or in a way it's like it was a case of miscommunication I think Mm. or I would hope and Mm. I think 
those are the worst ones because you feel this almost helplessness about it. It's not something that you've done with an intention or with like a justification. It's just something that happened a certain way. And her position of like that acceptance and kind of being able to have pride in just how disconnected you, you feel from it in terms of like, that's not something that I can even put myself in those shoes of now because I'm so different. And it's kind of a good thing that that's the case because if I looked back on that situation or if it didn't imprint on me enough for me to be, remember it this much and to feel this much guilt or regret towards it, then maybe I wouldn't have grown as much as I should have as a person. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. very interesting. No, super interesting. And I think uh, what you're just saying there about, like, growth as a person and the impact those kind of situations have on you, yeah, that's definitely something I'm going to spend some time thinking about further and just, like the miscommunications that I've had in my own life and whether or not I have, you know, really taken the time to deep them and address the underlying cause, which is often fear of conflict, which is exactly what Ziva was saying. And the fact that she's managed to move past that, I think hopefully will be inspiring for a lot of people because I certainly know, even to this day, to be honest, that that fear of conflict has, has continued to influence like some of my interactions with people in a way that I'm you know, not entirely happy with. And, you know, being able to move past that would be lovely. You know, yeah, <laughs> it would be so honestly. great. And it's yeah. almost like, it's not, like, conflict is a word I feel like has weight to it. But it's like, it's something healthier than that, almost, in terms of just, like, yeah. there's something in between, I feel like, conflict and silence that can be very healing for both parties, I think. And I, yeah. I'm definitely someone firmly in the same school of thought where I talk like I'm, like, <clears throat> I talk like, like I am the queen of conflict. I'll be like, let them just come up to me and ask me what's this, this, this. I will, I will tell them exactly how I feel. And then in any kind of like personal situations, I'm just like, I would yeah. rather remove myself permanently yeah. than yeah. actually have, have those discussions. Have that conversation. Yeah. yeah. But so often when it's you terrifying. Do, it is, right? Yeah. But then linking it back to obviously the gem mm. that Zeba said, which is what's the best that can happen? Yeah. So often when you actually bite the bullet, it is a thousand times less yeah. scary than you think it's yeah. going to be. Yeah. And that anxiety is gone as well, right? Like yeah. that anxiety that you've been holding on to probably for so long, even if subconsciously, because you're like, no, 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 go away. <laughs> Everything is all right. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. I'll just lose a friend and just never talk to them again. It's fine. But yeah, when, exactly as you say, when you bite the bullet and have that conversation with them, yes, you might hear some home truths about yourself or about the way in which you behave that, that might not be very nice. But ultimately, like... And I also kind of feel today was perhaps her moment, <laughs> I don't want to deep it too much, but like, you know, it was her moment of, of facing that conflict head on because she she's not going to be able to necessarily have that conversation with Sana, yeah. but she was able to have it with us to a degree. Yeah. So, And I hope for her that she got a, at least a smidgen of, of what me and you have maybe got off, out of the conversations yeah. we have had when we forced ourselves to like face those difficult relationships, yeah. The last thing I will say is... It comes with a deeper engagement with like life and relationships. And I think until you're able to deal with that conflict, there's only so much you can gain from your mm. relationships. And like yeah. we said before, you things will come to a natural stop where they might have had a whole life after that moment if you feel too scared to express yourself in that way. And that's something that I've had to come to terms with a lot recently. You can't just run away from everything that makes you feel shit. Sometimes face it head on and grow from it and allow it to flourish on the other side of that. Yeah, really interesting. Want to talk to you about that more <laughs> on another occasion. <laughs> um, we'll get there. Yeah, yeah, we'll get there. <laughs>
This has been an II Studios production. Thank you so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget, you can sign up to become a member at gal-dem.com for access to exclusive discounts with our favourite brands and partners, early access to tickets for Galdem events, an advanced copy of our annual print issue, and so much more. Make sure you're following us on all major social media platforms at Galdem Zine for the latest independent journalism, or visit our website, which is gal-dem.com. Galdem has a book, I Will Not Be Erased, Our Stories About Growing Up as People of Colour. It's available in all good bookstores or online. If you loved this episode of Growing Up with Galdem, be sure to subscribe, rate and leave a review. We'll catch you on the next episode. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.